Happy summertime, everybody. This is Greg, and here's what's in the Popping Colors feed for July 2021. The Popping Colors crew has compiled a popping playlist on Spotify for your road tripping, beach lounging, trail hiking, summer activities. We announce our musical picks on this month's episode of Popping Collars. The Canon makes its triumphant return this month. Shayna Watson comes back to draft the movies of Tim Burton. The great Going on 30 mob trilogy concludes this month as Betsy and I look back at the Coen Brothers classic, Miller's Crossing. Last but not least, we're launching a brand new topic on The Sacred Six. Stephen McHale joins me to discuss six albums from the most influential band of all time, The Beatles. We kick things off with the early singles featured on the Past Masters Volume 1 collection. Thanks for listening, and keep those collars popped. Steven, let me tell you something. I think you'll understand. When I say that something, I want to hold your hand. But with masks and socially distanced, of course. Are you okay with that? Rubber gloves? Rubber gloves are fine. Uh, I'll take rubber gloves. As long as I can put them on the end of a stick and we can hand it to you, like through a closed window. Is that okay? Welcome to the Sacred Six. Sometimes an item in pop culture is just too big for one podcast episode, and that's where this show steps in. I'm your host, Greg Knight. With me is my special guest, Stephen McHale. Stephen, catch our audience up. Where are you, and what do you do there? I am coming to you from Alameda, California, which is an island in the San Francisco Bay right next to Oakland, and I am a priest at Christ Episcopal Church, and nobody has bothered to show up for... (laughs) A while now. So. I imagine so. Feeling a little low. It's getting better all the time. But that's for a later album. For right now, we'll stick to some early stuff. This is a brand new series for The Sacred Six, where Stephen and I dive deep, deep into the discography of the Fab Four, the Beatles. In case you don't know who the Beatles are, they're the most important rock band of all time. There. I caught you up to speed real quick. With you. Stephen, what is your personal history with the music of the Beatles? I could go on for a while, actually. Um, <laughs> well, you got you got five minutes or something. <laughs> wow. Okay, I'll be fast on that. I started listening to the Beatles in middle school, and for me, that was uh, in the suburbs of Seattle in the eighties, late eighties. And my brother, one of my brothers, was really into the Beatles, and so I started listening to the Beatles. And once I got into them, I never left. Yeah. And uh, I used to buy their LPs. On vinyl, uh, used at Cellophane Square in Bellevue Square Mall, because that was all I could afford. And that was the system I had, an old turntable. And uh, I got super into Beatles trivia for a while in high school, which also might correlate with me not dating many girls. Um, (laughs) That isn't an opener where you're like, you know, uh, Paul didn't actually play on that. Um, no, no, doesn't work. Um, so, but I was super, super into them in high school. 
I've I've loved them ever since. And whenever I'm flipping through the radio and there's a Beatles song, it always stays. But I have to admit, I've been like I've been somewhat more distant from them. So they're sort of it's like a I feel like I grew up with them. And so now I'm reminiscing. Yeah. Um, well, this actually, this show, when these episodes come out that we're talking about, is actually kind of serendipitous because there's a new documentary coming out about the Beatles, specifically when they were recording Let It Be, that's directed by Peter Jackson. And depending on when you listen to this episode, it may already be out on Disney Plus, I think it is. Now, with Peter Jackson, will there be, will Ringo be played by a hobbit? <laughs> <laughs> We are going to be chatting about six of the most important Beatles albums of all time. And this month, we're looking at something that actually wasn't even a Beatles album uh, until fairly recently. It's the first volume of Past Masters. Past Masters uh, was a collection of singles and B-sides. Um, basically everything that would have been on 45 back in the 60s, those little records, those singles that would have been released. But this gives us a chance to talk about some early Beatles songs that were actually written by the Beatles. Stephen, uh, let's start with a big idea about Past Masters. Youth, right? It's like this vitality of these young men who don't quite know what their voice is, but they they know that they like Chuck Berry. They know that they like Little Richard and they know that they like the blues, right? Is that what you think? So that was not my first thought, actually. Oh, okay. I uh, have been listening to it a lot in the last few weeks since you contacted me. And I, I got creepiness, actually, in like men possessing women. Oh. I don't think I would have caught when I was younger. Songs like... Um, I'll get you. I'll mm -hmm. get you in the end. This boy, a little bit. Uh, she's a woman, bad boy. Uh, so, so maybe that's part of youth. I think this faded from their music, but there was they were they were young skirt chasers, clearly. Right, uh, which comes out of the the German experience, probably a little bit. Uh, you know, when they were playing live uh, on like red light districts and stuff like that in mm -hmm. their early phase. And then it's hard to know like how much of that is also influenced by their Cavern Club experience when you're like the big thing in Liverpool and like you can't even hear the band because the screaming is so loud, like right. inside the Cavern Club. I, I imagine a lot of that stuff affects what you sing and what you sing about. Those songs that you all that you listed off, absolutely. She loves you though, is on. The, so here's the thing, like there's a there's a lot of troubling stuff, especially when we get into the John stuff, and we'll get into like more sort of troubling John stuff down the road, I think. Mm -hmm. But there's also like this for all of the songs that are about me, me, me. Like I want to hold your hand, please, please, me, and stuff yes. like that. Occasionally, they'll throw in second person stuff. Like, she loves you. I remember hearing a uh, an interview with Paul where he pointed out where he's like, you know, it occurred to us that we didn't always have to think in the singular, you know, personal. <laughs> like, we could actually, you know, go to the second person and the third person when we were writing songs. Um I think that that's, a, I think that they're shifting at some points in their early career, at least. 
I find them insanely catchy, mm-hmm. except this is going to be uh, blasphemy. Love Me Do always bugs me. Yeah. Uh, because it is, <laughs> it, it does feel like a 14 year old wrote it in his basement. <laughs> um, but there is this sweet naiveness almost to this, uh, this period for them. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the best song off of Past Masters? Volume uh, one, I should say. Passmasters can also, it also includes the volume two. And if you look at it right. on Spotify, it's just one giant album. Yep. We're just talking about the early songs. So what's your favorite of the early songs? I think Yes It Is. Remember what I said tonight For red is the color that my baby wore And what's more is true Yes it is which was not one of their hits. It's kind of waltzy, you know, like uh-huh. that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's got two-part harmony. It's not a rock and roll song. It's a ballad. I don't know. That pulled that song pulled on my heartstrings when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. So I have um, romantic nostalgia for it. I'm going to go with I Feel Fine on this one. Yep. Baby's good to me. You know she's happy as can be. It's the obviously the reverb like at the beginning is pretty cool. Saw an interview with John where he said that they were able to figure out how to replicate that on stage, uh, where he would just get his guitar up to the amp really close. So they were able to get that boom and get that feedback uh, on live performances. But it's the it's the guitar like you're starting to see how all the pieces kind of fit together. Yeah. And like George's riffs and the writing kind of starts to come together and the just the the sheer kind of propulsion of the song, you know, it just drives and drives and drives. And that's, that's what I like about it. I think MVP of Passmasters, who is the MVP of the album for you? Wow. MVP. So if you're going to ask this about every album we go through, I'm going to say it's never Ringo. Oh, no. <laughs> Poor Ringo. I'm not on his team. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with Paul. Okay. Uh, because of She Loves You. Mm-hmm. That is just like, it's super positive. It's bubblegum pop. It's really fun. To me, that song characterizes early Paul McCartney pretty well. Yeah. What about you, MVP? Uh, I'm picking Ringo because you disparaged his name. Uh huh. So, uh, so brazenly and so cavalierly that I yeah. feel like I need to stand up. <laughs> no, actually, I I'm legit picking Ringo because uh, wow. because of that "Love Me Do" recording, or maybe it's "I Want to Hold Your Hand." There was some song that they did early on where they actually recorded it with three different drummers. Yeah. I want to say it was Love Me Do. They had Pete Best do one recording. They had a studio magician, uh, magician, a studio musician that George Martin found to play for them before they got Ringo. And then they had Ringo play on it. And what Ringo brings to the early Beatles stuff is a tempo that Pete Best never had. Pete Best was just a little, uh, like a step too slow. 
And Ringo right. was there to just sort of drive everything. And he just gives the band the energy that the songs need. So like she, she loves she loves you has that energy. I want to hold your hand has that energy. So the bar was kind of low, is what I'm hearing. <laughs> bar was low for Pete Best. Yes. <laughs> Definitely. Um, uh, the other reason I gotta disqualify Ringo, he's just so funny looking compared to the others. He is. And maybe I should have more compassion for him, but although have you seen early Ringo? He looks pretty cool. He has a beard and everything. <sighs> Yeah. All right. <laughs> they cleaned him up. He was in. A, he was in a band, Rory and the Hurricanes. He was in a band called Rory and the Hurricanes. Before wow. Joined you are out nerding me. <laughs> I've got. I've got like ten windows pulled up on my internet right now. So I imagine this recording is going to come through really slowly. As a result, we'll have to see. So um, the other thing that strikes me about this music is uh, at this period they're touring. And when they're touring America, the fans are screaming so loud, I guess when they're touring anywhere, mm-hmm. that they're a phenomenon at this point, almost a boy band. Yeah. And uh, I don't, the average fan isn't into them for their musicality yet. Right. And I remember uh, some documentary years ago, George being really frustrated that the crowd couldn't even hear what they were playing. And he said something like, what's the point of this? Right. This isn't about our music. Could you imagine? So what ages would they have been around this time? Like 20, 21? Uh, yeah. Uh, Ringo was a little older, but the others were quite young. Could you imagine that level of superstardom at that young of an age? Well, I mean, you know, the first few sermons I gave, they <laughs> responded. Uh, it was it was very much like Beatle. No, I don't know. I've heard, I've heard like an interview. I want to say it was with... Um, Michael Stipe of REM or something like that, where he was talking about Kurt Cobain and he was like, can you, I mean, just imagine like you go from playing dumps, you know, one day to all of a sudden you have a hit song and then like a, a mega album. And it's like waking up on Mars. Like who can handle that level of stardom? It's incredible. I mean, good on the Beatles for still trying to be better to make themselves better. Cause you could easily see like, Okay, well, this is it. I quit. I'm just going to be a boy band for the rest of my life. I suppose some of that came from, as you mentioned, their time in Germany. You can elaborate on that more. But as I understand it, they played night after night for hours and hours and got super tight as a band. So they knew each other musically very well at a young age. Uh, the, the only other German story that I'll tell is that at some point it was determined that George was too young to be in the bars that they were playing. (laughs) And so he got deported back to England (laughs) (laughs) and he thought he was kicked out of the band because he was too young. So that's it, Steven. That's job. Lots of lots of good Beatles trivia in there. That's it for Passmasters Volume One. First album in the books. Next up, we'll be moving on to the second Beatles movie soundtrack and what John calls his fat Elvis period. Help. Steven, do you have one last thought about Passmasters? Uh, I find it extremely comforting and I love singing along with it. Uh, Passmasters is like, those are the Beatles songs that you're going to hear on the Oldies channel. And yep. everything else that we're going to talk about from this point on, you're going to hear on the Classic Rock. <laughs> if if they will stop playing Hey Jude and Let It Be once exactly. and play something else. <laughs> exactly. 
Uh, All right. We will see you next time.